It's good to be back with y'all. I'm, I missed you last Sunday. I, I can't say that in previous um, pastorates that, that I always missed being there, <laughs> but I, I really missed not being here with y'all last Sunday, and, and praise God that the uh, COVID was, this is my second time to get it, and at least, and uh, praise God for the vaccines and for herd immunity, that one lump immunity, then it was relatively mild, so, and none of my family got it, praise God, so, um, but it's so good to be back with you, and I'm, I'm many thanks to Rachel, Reverend Rachel Toon for last minute filling in last Sunday, really appreciate her, but we're going to now actually start the, the Lenten series that I'd planned to start last Sunday, and so we're taking a break from our the series we had been in and John, and we're now going to be looking at this theme of being in the desert. The desert or the wilderness is actually a necessity. We need to go through these dry periods. Through We need to feel the, the weight of that. We need to go through the, the, these places, these arid places where there is no water and things like that, so to speak. And here's why. It's so that our, our ego can take a step back. It's so we have to go through these spaces our, so that our ego will dry up, so that we will actually stop chasing after what really is our, just a bunch of mirages, you know, in a desert when you see, or, or really just in, a, in dry, arid places in the south or out west, you're on the highway, and it looks like there's this oasis up ahead, this body of water, and then you get there, and it's just a mirage. It's nothing. Well, in our ego, we're, this is what we do, and this is what it means to live according to our false self, as I'll explain, is we chase after those, what really is just a mirage. And we need the desert to actually dry those up, to dry up our ego, so we stop chasing those things, and we begin to look at ourself for who we really are, so that we begin to look at where we really are. And so that's why there's a mirror in, in if you've seen the, the Lenten sermon series um, graphic that Shelley put together, it's a mirror in the desert. We're meant in these desert spaces to actually see who we really are, and there's good news. There's good news when you see the really real, and this is what I want to talk about today. Let's look at Matthew 16. Verses 24 through 26. Now, this is teaching of Jesus that you may be familiar with. This is famous uh, teaching of Jesus that shows up really in all four Gospels. John kind of references it, but then this passage that we're going to read in Matthew is basically explicitly uh, retold in Mark and Luke as well with some slight variations. We're going to look at what it means to deny ourselves, to lose your life in order to find your life. What does that really mean? Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? The word of the Lord. Let's pray. 
Christ, I pray that now we, um, that we would truly learn what this means, that it would change us, actually transform us. Uh, as G.K. Chesterton said, for, for those of us who've been in the church a long time, we've heard the same message a thousand times and yet have never heard it once. We don't really hear what you're saying most of the time. And so it becomes boring. If we truly hear, it will change our life. So would you do that now, I pray, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even. I, I, I pray that we would be able to, to die to our ego so that we might actually learn something about ourselves and about you. Give us that teachable spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, this is all imagery language that you might be familiar with, even if you're not used to going to church. But what is that? What, what does it mean? Father Richard Rohr says that the kingdom of God is an utterly different frame of reference. It's a completely different frame of reference than what the world has for us. So what that means is it's not easy, we don't easily apprehend it. And so this is why Jesus says you have to have eyes to see that have to be given to you. You have to have ears that have to be given to you. And so he would tell these stories to try to, you see, because if, if it's not about, a, about, about downloading information, that doesn't change you. You know, if you're in a, James Finley says, if you're in the desert and, and there's no water and you have this idea of water, well, that's a good idea, but it does you no good, right? Unless you actually have water to drink. And so what Jesus is trying to do with his teaching, with these parables, with these stories, is to move what may be up here in our brains down to our bodies, to our hearts. And so he tells two stories in Matthew 13, very short stories, that he prefaces by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a treasure hidden in a field that a man finds but then doesn't tell anybody. And then it says, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. And then Jesus says this, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who then finds the pearl, the pearl of great price, the pearl of great value. So then he goes and he sells all that he has in order to buy that one pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like that. When you find this treasure, you will will sell everything for it. When you find this treasure, you realize this is all you need. You don't actually need anything else. So what is the treasure, <laughs> right? I mean, Jesus says, and, and, you know, and then he just kind of moves on. But what, what is the treasure? What is the treasure hidden in the field? What is that pearl of great price? Because whatever it is, well, you, you wouldn't trade the whole world for it. Whatever it is, you realize it's all I need. So what is it? You know what it is? It's you. 
The treasure hidden in a field is you. The pearl of great price is you. Who you really are. Your actual life. Your actual self. Your true self. That's it. That is, when you, find, when you finally discover who you really are, you realize you like nothing. Here's the thing, though. Here's the main teaching today. In order to find your true self, in order to find your life, like Jesus says, your false self has to be crucified. In order to find your life, your, or your true self, your false self, has to be crucified. And so this is what Jesus means with these parables. If you find that, you will begin experiencing the kingdom of heaven that's been here all along. All right, so let's look at this. Um, we need to define some things, though. We need to define false self, and we need to define true self. And so this, today, we're just going to focus on what the false self is. And again, I'm saying this is what Jesus means when he says you have to die to yourself. That word that's translated life could be self. You have to die to that. So what is that? I'm calling it the false self. Then next Sunday, we'll look at the other self that is your true self, your true life. But what is the false self? Now, this is language that uh, really uh, this monk, this Cistercian monk or Trappist monk named, named Thomas Merton made, made this language famous. He was, uh, an, uh, um, ended up moving to America and, and lived in America. Lived, he was at the, the monastery at Gethsemane in, in Kentucky. Died, I think it was 1968. Uh, his memoir, Seven Story Mountain, was, was a national bestseller. Imagine a monk having a bestseller. Well, that's, that's Thomas Merton. And he, he kind of made this language famous, true self versus, versus false self. So that's where I'm getting it from. But I, this is all a way to describe and define what Jesus means when he says this in our passage. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, your cross, and follow me. This isn't just asceticism for asceticism's sake. You know, in Lent, it's, it's great if you're, if you're practicing self-denial and, and you're, you're not on social media or not drinking alcohol or doing this or that. And, and yes, it's, it's hopefully you know it's so that you might really experience God, but what does that mean? It's not an end in and of itself, right? Just self-denial to be to come across as holy. You know, Jesus had some very harsh words for people that think that way. <laughs> Why deny yourself? And what are you denying? And what is the point? What does it really mean? Well, the goal of self-denial is to deny your false self. It is to die to your ego. You know what the ego is? Uh, Brian Regan, I like how he talks about the me monster, you know, uh, we, we go around, and this is in, in our natural state as fallen human beings now, as broken, we live for self-interest only. That's what we tend to do. And, and Regan calls it the me monster. And so it's, it's almost like, you know, when you, when you encounter someone, they're saying different words, but really all they're saying is me, 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 right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Um, that's your ego, living for self-interest only. If left to ourselves, this is how we will all operate. 
and our ego will be fully operative. And and religion can be like ready-made for that if if you choose it to use it that way. What Jesus is saying when he says to deny yourself, he's saying you have to die to that, that self. That's your false self. Think of it this way. Your false self is just your fake self. That's what it is. Your false self is your fake self. It's ruled by ego, the me monster. And that is what must be crucified. If you want to experience life, your true life, that is what must die. This is what Jesus is talking about. Another way to think of sin is, you know, again, just missing the mark. That's what the the word in Greek means, just missing the mark. And I'm saying it means missing the mark of your true self and living for your false self, which is addicted to ego. We are all addicts. You may have an addiction to a, a, a substance of some sort, but that substance is just the symptom of, your, of our, all of our true addiction, which is this addiction to ego. That's what sin is. It's an addiction to ego. It's the false self. You've heard me talk about um, the, our reflection in a mirror. When you look in a mirror and you just, you know, you see a reflection. And, and uh, again, this is James Finley who, who says that really what happened in the fall is it's when, when our first parents divorced God, as it were, and decided to try to be like God, which they already were, apart from God, it would be like your reflection in a mirror deciding that he or she's going to go live their own life. It's absurd, right? Because they're leaving their true source. You can't do that. That is the mirage. It's, so so the, the false self is that reflection that leaves its true source. It's not real. And therein lies the problem with living according to your false self. It's fake. It's a mask. It's a costume. Um, this past Halloween, and we, we celebrate Halloween at House of Mercy, and uh, if you were at Cindy Walton's uh, house, that's where the, the House of Mercy part, uh, and Scott Walton's house, that's where the House of Mercy Halloween party was this past Halloween. And you were all dressed up in costumes, and it was so cool to see. Jennifer came as Taylor Swift, and um, I came as the Pope. And uh, if you were there, you saw that I had, I had the big Pope hat, you know, and the, the gown. And, um, and I, I, I kind of relished in, in being the Pope that was drinking and stuff and all that. Um, that, that. There's nothing, I have nothing against the Pope, especially Pope Francis. I love him. Nothing against the Pope. The problem with the Pope, though, is it's not me. <laughs> it's a costume. It's a mask. It's a persona. It's fun at Halloween to be able to project that and be somebody else. But if we are centering our life around that person, putting our ultimate stock into that person, again, that, that person's not bad. The problem is it's not who we are. It's not who we really are. It's fake. This, this is the false self. Hopefully you're, you're, you're tracking with me. Um, once again, the only problem is it's not real. This is where we normally go to shop for our costumes, you know, the, these personas that we are putting ultimate stock into. You know, do you know where we like to go? We go to uh, body image. We, we put our ultimate stock in the way we look, 
our body image, our jobs, our careers. We begin trying to find significance, ultimate significance through these things. And this is our false self. This is when our false self is fully operative. We go to our education. We go to um, our actual wardrobe. We go to our wealth if we have resources and wealth. And we forget that, that what's mine is yours. Uh, we, we, we share and we share alike because it all belongs to God ultimately. You see, these are all mirages. We go to our perceived success. Um, sometimes we define ourselves by our lack of success, and that's equally unhealthy. It's equally not who you really are. So, so the fall, living according to false self can mean sometimes we are really high on ourselves. It can also mean we're really down on ourselves. Both people are living according to their fake self, not who they really are, which the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2, made in the image of God. And there's, there's our reference point. There's where we begin to then begin to relearn and rediscover our true self. So, I, I, so again, ho- hopefully, are y'all kind of tracking? Let me, let me see some, some, some sort of response here. This is good, good. Okay, that's, that's plenty. Um, or, or it can be like this. Uh, just let me know you're, that you're out there. Um, so the, the false self isn't bad. What's wrong with it is it isn't real. It doesn't ultimately define us, and so that is why it must die. You see? And here's the good news of the gospel. It did. On the cross, your, my false self was nailed to the cross. This is exactly what Colossians 3.3 says. For you have died, and your true life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Paul says you died, does he really mean you died? Well, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Your false self, friends, th- this, is, this is why the gospel is news. It's, it's not instruction. That's not news, right? It's not, it's not a command. That's not news. News is just something that is announced. It's proclaimed. And you can either receive it or not. It can, you can either allow it to impact you or not. The part of the good news of the gospel is your false self is dead. Now your true self can live. And now we're beginning to understand this strange teaching of Jesus, perhaps. Our false self already died. It is up to us, in a way, though, to participate into our true likeness, which, again, the Bible clearly says is a God-likeness. We, we don't begin, please don't begin your Bible where the Bible doesn't begin in Genesis 3. It does not begin with sin. And whole traditions in the West have began their whole religion there with Genesis 3. The Bible begins in Genesis 1 and 2. You, who are you? Who are, who, what's our primary identity? Made in the image of God. God image. D, God, divine DNA is, this is who we are. This is in our veins, in our blood, we come from God. And so 
what the gospel declares is we can now, I mean, it's a done deal. In Christ, our false self died. We are now resurrected in Christ. But it is up to us, if you want to really experience this good news, well, you have to live into it. You have to participate with it. You have to do what Jesus says here. You have to follow him. Take up your own cross and follow him. If you want to experience the life the resurrection life that is yours already in Christ. Luke says you have to take up your cross daily. And so, um, you know, what it means to do that is your little cross, right? Uh, daily, you have to die to your ego. And, and if you really, if you first of all are aware of your ego when it's operative, well, guess what? You know it's a daily exercise <laughs> that is dying to it. Uh, I mean, many times. Every day, you have to die. When that urge comes on that, God, I don't want to, like, help this person out again. I'm sick of this person. Why can't they help out themselves? And I got stuff to do. And Pause. Oh, that's, there needs to be a crucifixion right there. <laughs> the ego needs to, needs to die right at that moment. And so this is what Jesus means when he says in Luke, take up your cross daily. Jesus died on the cross once and for all. If you want to live into that, take up your little cross, and you have these little crucifixions to your ego every day. This is how we will now begin to live into this new life. All right. Um, why, why is it called dying? That is, taking up your cross. Why, what, what is that? Well, again, it, if you know, if you can feel what I'm talking about, whenever the ego becomes operative, it will feel like death to try to change. Dying to self means that. It means change. And you know what the ego hates more than anything? Change. Can't stand change. I mean, give me a list of rules to keep so that I can avoid actually changing. You see, and, and here's religion. This is, this is the majority of religion is used just that way. That's not the way religion's meant to be used. Religion, its, it's sole purpose really is to transform us. But a lot of Christians will, will follow the law of God or certain lists, and they, and they can vary in order to actually avoid becoming a new person, <laughs> in order to actually avoid changing. Why? Because the ego hates that. It will feel like dying because our ego hates it more than anything else. It, it, it feels like dying when you have to give up who we think we are. Um, it, it'll, you know, I felt, you know, when you put on a costume, you, you feel, it's, what's kind of cool about it is I can be somebody else and, and it feels good, you know. Um, and to put down that costume, though, feels like death if you're putting your ultimate worth in that costume. It will always feel like death. To die to who we think we are or, or who we think we need to be in order for people to like us. It will always feel like dying. And so this is why Jesus uses that language. But if you want to experience life, you gotta, that has to die. The false self has to be crucified. And it will feel like death every single time. But once again, <laughs> the problem is not the, the false self necessarily. It's not bad. The problem is it's just not who we are. So, um, here's the good news, though. And I want to end, end as we sort of come in for a landing. What you will find when you begin to 
deny yourself daily, take up your cross, your own little crucifixion, and follow Jesus, you will find that that pain is momentary. The death gives way to new life. You will begin to experience the life that is already yours in Christ. You will now begin to embody it experience it, the, the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give. If, if we are not feeling that, like in our bodies, in our minds and hearts and souls, it, it means we're likely not following Jesus. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean in this life that we're always just going to feel great bliss and peace. No, but you will be able to tap into that experience little by little more and more. And so you will find that the death of the ego is so worth it. When you get to the place when you know, and I, I, I experience this in fits and starts more and more, when I no longer have to be right. <laughs> I no longer have to defend myself because I, I, am, I come from God. I, I'm made in the image of God. There's nothing to defend there. You begin to feel like you belong in any room. Again, fits and starts, this is the feeling of the Christian life. That death will give way to this life. Um, Jesus says in, in, in this passage, whoever wishes to save his life or his self needs to lose it. But whoever loses his life, or sorry, let me say that again. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. So your false self, it will die. It will. Only question is, will it be in this life or the next? It's been crucified. When will you experience your true self? That is how we participate. So whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus says, guess what? Jesus becomes your elder brother. You become like Christ. So next week, we'll discuss what it looks like to experience that um, and, and what it means to experience it. We'll look at the true self, but here's just a little teaser. And I want to end with, with a, this is a fairly long quote, but by Father Richard Rohr again. He says this, a little teaser. What's the true self? Your true self is who you objectively are from the beginning in the mind and the heart of God. The face you had before you were born. It is your substantial self, your absolute identity, which can be neither gained nor lost by any technique, group affiliation, morality, or formula whatsoever. The surrendering of our false self, which we have usually taken for our absolute identity, yet is merely a relative identity is the necessary suffering needed to find the pearl of great price that is always hidden inside, right here in our, in our bodies, inside this lovely but passing shell. That is beautiful. Can someone say amen? amen. <laughs> um, when you hold a baby... That, that, that bit, newborn, an infant, can't do anything, right? It, it can't perform anything. It, it just is. And, and, you, and, and you hold the baby, and, and what happens? When we're in our right minds, we're holding that baby, 
we begin to experience something. It, it lifts us up. We, we can't get enough of this little baby. And it can't do anything bad or good. It can't perform at all. And we begin to feel this, our hearts kind of lift. Um, we feel this joy. What is that? What James Finley says is when we're experiencing holding that baby, we are experiencing the true essence of that child that comes from God. And this is precisely why we feel the way that we feel. Even though that baby can do no good or bad, can perform, it's utterly dependent upon the one holding them. And friends, that peace of God that is in that baby is also in you. Still. It's, it's still there. It may need to be rediscovered, <laughs> re-realized. And here comes the gospel. Good news. That true self has been saved. That true self that is in you and in me has been saved. What, what is being saved in salvation? You. <laughs> That's it. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Help us to receive that good news. It's announced. We can either believe it and live into it or not. I hope that it at least sounds like good news. Because if it sounds like good news, that means we probably have heard it to a degree. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would you would give us the power to believe it's actually true. And may we live into our new self because the old man has died. The old woman has died in Christ. May we be new creations in Christ as well. In Jesus' name, amen.